Welcome to this episode of the This is Believeland Real Browns Fans Podcast. I am your host, James Mastrucci, and of course, as always, joined by my co-host, Jordan Cohen. Jordan, good morning. This is the earliest we've ever recorded. Hey, James. Yeah, I am, uh, you know, I, I we're preseason champions, so I think we're just really excited to record. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, we gotta, you know, keep, keep that flag, keep that trophy uh, in the case. <laughs> Keep that brown, that that orange and brown flag flying high. It is a a victory Monday. Of course, we are being facetious. It's only preseason, but the uh, the Browns played the Falcons last night, and I was looking for some of your quick takeaways because there were a couple that I had, and and maybe you had the same as me. But as far as as Baker Mayfield's concerned, he played about as I expected him to play. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they outside of one play where Baker actually read it right, the Falcons ran very vanilla base defense, and the Browns ran very vanilla base offense. It was real. I think what Stefanski said they were doing is exactly what they were doing was was making sure they could get to the line of scrimmage on time. Mm-hmm. The calls were getting out fast enough with a crowd, which I think was smart. I, I did not think of that until he said it pre pre game, mm-hmm. and then I was like, okay, actually putting them in for one series or two makes sense. Yeah. And so I thought Baker's first drive was pretty crappy. Mm-hmm. Got to be honest with you. Like, I thought it was uh, not good. Yeah. And then it looked like bad Baker last year, I think, where, mm-hmm. like, you had a – he caught a Hooper on the wheel route. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it was kind of basic. And then the second drive was what I expected Baker to look like. They ran plays that worked last year that, surprise, surprise, against vanilla defenses worked this year. Mm-hmm. Um, like the, the play action rollout that like, again, I love Stefanski. Yeah. Stefanski ran that play 8 million times last year where Baker rolls out in the offensive line. Every single one of them goes the complete opposite direction, Mm -hmm. which means Baker has to make two reads like in one pre-snap read and then two post-snap reads right away. Mm -hmm. And ostensibly he can either throw it short, which is option one, throw it long, which is option two, which is what he did or run the ball. Yeah, uh, and those are the three. And like, so it worked. It was great. It worked. It was. A, it's a good play. They'll run it eight million times again this year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Baker. Everybody was like, "Oh, Baker's an MVP." Like for one, it's preseason. Two, if he plays like that all season, he's not an MVP. Mm-hmm. He may be a really good quarterback, but he's not an MVP. Yeah. A- so absolutely, I, just, I think like cool. Kind of. I mean, and, and, and to your point, uh, when they ran that play action rollout, which was the the pass to Hodge, I believe, correct? Yep. Yep. Um. I saw that play come from a mile away. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a play-action rollout. He's going to go to the left. He's going to find the guy going uh, on the crossing route. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yep, exactly. No, 100%. I mean, they Again, I'm glad they ran that play and it worked because they're going to run it 8 million times. So at least they have it down. Yeah. Um, and, and and I thought something interesting about that play was the linemen that were in, especially Nick Harris. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I think all those linemen are making the team because I do not think they wanted Baker Mayfield to get hurt. So I think they put in the basically the best offensive lineman they felt comfortable with. So like Treader didn't play, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Nick Harris was in, and Nick Harris on those first two drives was a monster. Yeah. Like just a monster. And I think part of it was they were running more of kind of the outside zone stuff again, mm-hmm. which is where he excels, and more of the play action stuff where he excels. Yeah. But on that play action rollout, I mean, the whole reason that play action rollout works like it did is Harris just mauled a guy. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm excited about that. I got to be honest. I think Harris looked good. I, again, Baker looked like Baker. I'm not taking anything away from this uh, outside of the fact that I think if you're really disappointed in it, that's a little weird. And if you're really optimistic about it, it's a little weird. It's what we expected given what we saw from Baker all last season. Yeah, and, you know, he finished the game uh, 6 of 10. Uh, he made a couple good throws, made a couple throws where like, meh. Uh, two passes got batted down at the line. That's just what it was. <laughs> I mean, that's that's I mean, a I, typical Baker performance. Yeah, and, and I think the drives are typical, right? Like, yeah. one drive was pretty bad, and one drive he executed pretty well. That's just how it is. I mean, and he, and he threw the really good pass to Hodge on on the, the rollout for the touchdown. Uh, it, oh, and by the way, uh, not that it really matters, but as, as far as touchdown celebrations go, give me Hodge over Higgins. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the guitar move, I like that better than the the you know the Hollywood roll out the carpet thing. Well, I got to be honest, the guitar thing's also very Cleveland, right? Like, yeah, home of rock and roll. Like I kind of like that. I was like, okay. I mean, it fit. If you go to basically any sporting event here in Cleveland and the team wins, they play Cleveland Rocks after the game. So. Right. Exactly. No, I mean, I I thought those, especially that second drive, again, I'm not saying Baker played bad. Like, the pass to Hodge was good. The catch from Hodge was really good. Mm -hmm. I thought Hodge and Ernest Johnson last night were outstanding. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like, I, I, and we'll talk about this, but, like, I think they both made their quarterbacks look better. They did. They did. Um as far as uh, other quarterback play went, it went about as expected. Case Keenum was Case Keenum. And Kyle yep. Lilletta's balloon popped entirely. <laughs> Kyle Lilletta had a terrible second preseason game, and his third preseason game may have been even worse. Uh, so, old takes exposed all the Kyle Lilletta should be the backup and trade Case Keenum talk, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you and I were on point, which is like, after that first week, if they could get anything for Loletta, they should have traded him then. Yeah. Um, I don't think they could. I, I think that was your point. Like, nobody's yeah. going to trade one. And so I think that's just the reality. But, yeah, he looked bad. Yeah. So, as fun as people, as high as people got on Loletta for a minute, uh, it, it turns out uh, a greater volume of information is better to make a decision on, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Crazy. I mean, so... To talk about the Falcons really quickly, like they ran vanilla stuff on defense, but they ran a few plays. I think that team's going to be good. Like, I know it's a weird division, but Arthur Smith is a great offensive play caller, and DPs may be the best defensive coordinator still coaching right now. Um, like, there's a lot, like Brandon Staley, but like Dean Pease is up there too. And Dean Pease, like, outside of that one play, ran the most vanilla defense. I'm like, there's no way. This is going to be Dean Pease's defense during the season. Oh, it's it's not. And as far as Atlanta goes, I don't know what they're going to be. They are running a more, I guess, skill position, a less skill position dependent offense is what it they're seems They're running like. the Browns offense. Yeah. So it's, it's something that Matt Ryan has excelled in before, at least a, a version of it. So it's not going to be something that's foreign to him. Kyle Pitts looked pretty good on his, like, one catch he had, but uh, on his only target of the game, but the dude is a monster, okay? Yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah. I mean, I I don't know what he is. Like, I I know he's a tight end in name right now. uh I don't know if he puts on enough muscle and becomes good enough blocker to stay as a tight end, or if he becomes, like, one of these weird, like, 
slot receivers, but still really kind of like playing the tight end role in the slot, not mm-hmm. like the Jarvis Landry role. It doesn't matter. He is yeah. really, really good. Uh, as far as he is right now, what he reminds me of is Gronk without the blocking ability because he still needs to right. work on that. Okay. Right. But, it's like when Gronk got drafted. Yeah. It's, it's when they had Gronk line up as a receiver. And there's just like, yeah, he's a tight end, but he is a receiver and he's huge and he's just as fast as everyone else, but he's bigger too. Right. So he's right. just, he's just a monster. I mean, and, and the one thing I said to you uh, last night is he's everything everyone expected in Joku to be. Okay. Yeah. It's what he is. Yeah. I mean. Already. <laughs> yeah. I agree. And like the reality is Njoku gets drafted later. Mm-hmm. I mean. The Browns reached him. I don't care what anybody says. He was not. No, I do not remember him being graded as a first round talent by most of the draft people I trust. Most people thought he was a second round talent because mm-hmm. he was a phenomenal athlete. That's where he and Pitts are similar. Pitts does everything else better than Njoku did coming out. Yes. Uh, by substantial margins, actually. And I think to get to where Pitts is now. I, do I think on day one, Njoku and Pitts probably provide the same level of play? Yeah. Do I think by week five, that's the case? Probably not. The thing I will say about Njoku is that I, I did see similar grades for Njoku as being like a round two type guy, but mm-hmm. in most of the mocks I saw, I had him going at the, I saw him have, going at the end of round one just because people were taking a chance on athleticism and physical abilities. So, yeah, I mean, I don't. Unless the tight end is generational, I'm never a fan of drafting a tight end in the first two rounds. Just because, like, a generational tight end, like Kyle Pitts, mm-hmm. right, I think can be, is amazing, right? That can change an offense just by having them. Otherwise, tight ends are kind of replaceable. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty, just, pretty much. And that was my issue with the Joker pick when we made it. Um, I hope Njoku has a good year here because this is going to be his last year in Cleveland. Yeah, it is. I, I don't think that's really up for debate all that much. Although, Unless they can find somebody to take on Hooper without like us having to take anything back, this is Njoku's last year in Cleveland. I still think regardless of Hooper, this is Njoku's last year in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, I think very possibly. Unless he, but even, I guess my point is like, even if he has an amazing season, right, where he basically becomes the 1B tight end, I, I still think, like, un, unless Hooper gets traded, they're not re-signing Njoku, uh, even with that breakout season. Now, if Hooper can get traded for nothing, like, Browns get something back and don't have to take on any more salary, and Njoku has a breakout year, maybe then he plays. But I, I think that is just such an unlikely reality that I'm not, unlike the universe, that I, I just, I don't think it's reality. Yeah, I'm with you there. Is is there anything uh, from the Browns' defensive side of the ball you would like to to touch on here? Because <laughs> uh... uh, we, I mean, we should talk about it in a second. Uh, but two things: one, Newsom playing slot, I yeah. think, is interesting mm-hmm. because Troy Hill had been so like the background behind Troy Hill is he had been the slot receiver for the Rams and excelled at it. And then last year when they made Jalen Ramsey the star, or that there was a great athletic article about it that I sent you. Yeah. Troy Hill moved outside, mm-hmm. but still would like occasionally move into the slot depending on where Ramsey was. I almost wonder. I've been saying it's Ward. I almost wonder is that what they're going to try to do with Newsom is make him that star receiver or star corner, right? Like kind yeah. of give Newsom the freedom to go where he wants. That's interesting. I I, I think. Um... 
overall, what they're probably looking for is versatility in their mm-hmm. in their secondary because they've been very rigid in regards to who they've had for the past couple of years. And I think right. since they had such a, I guess, an influx of talent in the back end of the defense that they have the ability to try different looks, different sort of, I guess, combinations coverage-wise, or even, you know, you know, man-zone combo coverages that they could throw together that they just wanted to possibly see, hey, how does Newsom look inside against someone who's not one of our receivers? Maybe okay, it's something yeah, they can, right. like, look and see, like, okay, does he look good against somebody else? I mean, because... Let's be honest. I mean, practices only tell you so much. You see, you know the same. You see the same guys. They have the same things. I mean, they could probably figure out what route the other guy's about to run within like a split second because of just how much time they're with each other all the time. And as far as you know, practices go, they're running certain plays that hey, guess what? The defense knows what they're running. Um, <laughs> so right. seeing him in a different role than the outside, I'm not like saying that, like, oh, he's going to be a slot corner now. I just think they're looking for versatility in their defensive yeah. backfield because I, I well, think that's yeah. a luxury they have now. Yeah, yeah. And I think also, like, to your point there, let's say Ward gets hurt, which inevitably is going to happen. Like, that, that he will miss a game or two this year. Yeah, probably. It probably makes more sense, then, to move Troy Hill to the other outside corner, mm-hmm. right, to take over Ward's spot. Yeah. And then the question is, are you putting A.J. Green or Greedy in the slot, or are you moving Newsom? And the answer is probably you're moving Newsom. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's part of what was going on, too, to your point. I think, yeah, you're right, though. Like, more fluid defensive back coverage, or more fluid coverage, generally speaking, mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense, given the, this roster. Yeah, and, I mean, we don't have to, you know, deal with the this steep drop-off in talent at this moment in time once you get down the depth chart in the secondary, as we've had in years past. It's... AJ Green looked really good. He's looked really good. Yeah, uh, he looks like a keeper. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I, I would be stunned if he gets cut. Same. I mean, I think he's your third corner, or your fourth corner, I guess. Yeah, yeah he, I think, I think like, he's, I think he's fourth corner, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he looks really good. So, yeah. I, I, the only other takeaway I had was I thought it was interesting, and again, we're going to talk about this in a second, so we don't need to like hammer yet but like mcdowell uh, malik mcdowell was playing a lot of one tech mm-hmm. which to me is interesting because the only other guy they had that could play one tech regularly was andrew billings yeah um and billings isn't even a natural one tech he's just fat yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's just a big dude yeah i mean yeah i mean i i think as as far as the way things are trending it, it's looking increasingly likely, and I guess we'll get into this a little bit more in a, in a minute, but it's increasingly likely that it looks like Malik McDowell is going to make this roster, even though, even as far as a week ago, I thought that was a long shot. Yeah, I mean, A, he's performed also credit to him. B, I just, I, I don't know who, well, I don't know, outside of Malik Jackson, I don't think any of these defensive tackles have shown that they're better than each other, and... Mm-hmm. With Malik Jackson playing, you probably want somebody that can play a little bit of one tech. And that means if either Billings gets cut or traded or just gets hurt, you have nobody else that can do it. So I think McDowell may make the roster just based on that. Yeah. It's a good point. It's a very good point. I mean, because I, I imagine they want someone to to play in that 
play one tech, and if it's not Billings, it's gonna probably be McDowell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like the there's guys that like I think Togiai probably could do it, but like Togiai's been very mixed. He, I, I think he looks like we all expected him to, which is he's a little raw. Yeah. Um, Elliot definitely can't do it. He's too small. Uh, Sheldon Day again, like for a few snaps, if you had to, could do it, but I, I don't. That's not where I want him. Yeah. And so I, I mean. Again, we'll talk about this in a second. I do think like there's a realistic world where they bring a one tech off waivers. Uh, oh, this I season. expect that. Like I'm sure somebody will get cut because it's such like kind of a not that useful defensive line position in the four three anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I think McDowell looked good and that was interesting. Other than that, I thought the defense looked about as expected. You? Yeah, defense looked about as expected. Um. You saw some, you saw what you were expecting for the most part. It wasn't like, oh, they did this and this came out of nowhere. It's like, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, nothing too crazy, nothing too flashy. Right. It, it, it was what it was, and it was, they're, they're playing obviously a very basic version of what I imagine them to be running when they're not playing the Kansas City Chiefs. So when it comes to playing teams like Houston or even Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cincinnati, uh, you're going to see a different version of what you saw this evening against Atlanta in preseason. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, And I think, I, I mean, given Woods' comments, and I'm always a little weary when coordinators say this, but given Woods' comments this year, I think they are not going to be beholden to single high or two high safety. I don't think they're going to be a pure zone or pure man defense. I think, like, they're going to vary it based on the opponent. Uh, very frequently. Like, I don't think you'll be able to say the Browns defense normally does this, uh, at least as long as Woods is still on staff. I think that's what he wants. And, and if that's what they do and they're actually able to succeed in that way, I'm all for it. Because you know what? That's actually a, a way I prefer offense and defense really to to operate yeah. is, is, to, is to adjust to your opponent, not just be like, we're, we're doing this and... You know, you got to be able to to scheme to take away the the best, you know, uh, weapons on the other team. I mean, it's a completely unfair comparison or even uh, not even fair to Joe Woods to even mention him in the same sentence as Bill Belichick. But this guy's been doing that for 30 plus years, probably 40. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would say the one difference is we like Belichick never had dumb defensive players. Not that we do either. Yeah. The whole thing behind the Belichick, like the reason why a guy like um, uh, what's a defensive Hawaiian defensive tackle the Browns drafted Danny Shelton, Uh, Danny Shelton. The reason why Shelton could like start for the Patriots for so many years is that like Shelton wasn't that talented physically, but like he was a smart player. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's what Belichick wants, right? Like against the Rams, they ran a defensive, they ran like a two, six defensive front. Yeah. Or two, like, it was something absurd. I've never seen it done before for an entire game. And that's just, like, I, I, I don't think our defense, we should be confident they're there yet because they have so many young players. Mm. But I think even if they have maybe some sort of base, which I think will be maybe, like, a single high safety base, mm-hmm. and then they vary from there very frequently, I'm fine with that. Like, against the Chiefs, you're going to want to run cover two, cover four. Yeah. Like, they're going to have to. If they can't, they will lose. Mm-hmm. Against weaker teams, run whatever you want. Yeah. 
I mean, really, the the Chiefs game's the outlier as far as their defense is concerned. It's there's not I think really Packers. Oh, Pack, yeah, Packers is another one. Those two are, but Ravens. So there's four games. Yeah, that's that. So that's like what uh, less than a quarter of their schedule. Uh, now. now it's seventeen games. Yes. Yeah. So, and, and even, I mean, we don't even know what those teams are besides the Chiefs are going to look like. I mean, who knows what the Packers do? I mean, the Aaron Rodgers is fantastic, but they could always surprise. I don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, we I know. Mean, yeah, I've been predicting the Packers to have a down year for a lot of straight seasons. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I'm just like not even trying. But yeah. And as far as Baltimore is concerned, I mean, yeah, it's the obvious. They're going to run the hell out of the ball. Uh, Lamar Jackson's going to throw the passes he succeeds at, which are over the middle and, like, screen passes and slant passes, uh, the occasional downfield throw. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, he could, not saying he will, he could make strides as a passer and become a more rounded quarterback. I'm not entirely confident he does, but it's something that exists. All I meant is, like, I don't think you can defend the Ravens. No matter what happens with Jackson, you cannot defend them the same way you defend other teams. The offense is just so unique. And that's why I mentioned the Packers, too. Like, they run uh, the Shanahan scheme, so less of kind of, like, the power and counter stuff the Browns do and just more more zone. Mm -hmm. But I think, generally speaking, like, that's going to be a weird offense to play, the two Ravens games and the Chiefs game. Yeah. I think beyond that, you're not facing any, like, super unique offenses, which means you have your base, and you adjust it a little bit here and there for the opponent you're facing. Because, again, no matter what people want to say, unlike in 2000, defense in the NFL is reactive now. It's no longer a proactive part of the game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm with you there. Unless you're the Rams last year. But beyond that, it's not a proactive part of the game yeah so it's essentially those four games the outliers the other 13 are the <clears throat> are you going to see the more standard defense defensive looks from uh from the browns here yeah now i guess let's let's take that moment to transition into i guess kind of building off our discussion from last week uh the bubble guys yep I, so I'm just going to go down the list. So I have 27 guys on offense making it, and I'll just go down. So I have two quarterbacks, Baker Keenum, four running backs. Ernest Johnson is the bubble guy, but I think both he, I think he makes the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll talk about him in a second. Uh, fullback, I have them keeping Yanovich on the roster. I don't have them keeping Stanton on the roster. Uh, but Stanton's a bubble guy. I, I guess Yanovich is too, but I, I don't think so too much. Mm-hmm. Um, Tight end, I have Franks making the roster. He's a bubble guy. And then wide receiver, and then let's stop here, and then we can move on offensive line after. But I think wide receiver and running back go hand in hand. Okay. Wide receiver, I have six receivers making the roster. OBJ, Landry, DPJ, Higgins, Hodgins, Schwartz. Um, what I will say here is I think both JoJo Natson and Davion Davis are bubble guys that get cut. Mm-hmm. I also think Higgins and Hodge are guys that one of those two may get traded. Um, so let's stop there. Like, what do you, how do you feel about this? I feel pretty confident in, or, or, you know, I agree with most of that. Uh, as far as Dave is concerned, uh, again, I mentioned it last time, but the suspension doesn't count against the 53 man. So I have to make a decision on him, uh, oh, right, right, right. immediately. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> although I will say the fact that Anthony Schwartz made an appearance last night, 
not necessarily a good sign for Davis, who he also was good. He did, but I'm just saying I mean, he... he didn't do anything special. He's just fast as fuck. Yeah, like that's what I was saying last night. Like he is fast as fuck. But with Schwartz making an appearance, he might be a little bit more healthier than we thought he was going to be. Right, and so he may be more ready to go than right. we expected. And unfortunately, that he's playing a very similar role to what Davis would play. So if Schwartz is good to go at the start of the year, uh, I don't foresee them keeping Davis. Uh, but you never know. I, I think the world where Davis makes the roster, honestly, is... And I think you're right, right? They probably don't get rid of him right away. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I think his long-term outlook for this team is... The Browns get a Higgins or Hodge trade, and I know Davis does totally different stuff, but it just opens that receiver spot. And I will say, as far as for these first two weeks while he's suspended, I imagine they just keep him on hand in case they have an injury from week three and beyond that they need another guy for, and he's at least been in camp and familiar with everything they're doing. So it's a little bit of an insurance policy where it's like, okay, we got to wait two weeks, but if we need him, he's going to be there. And it's funny, like, a guy like JoJo Natson or even Davian Davis, like these are guys that two years ago would have not just made the Browns roster, but been in line for starting snaps. And that's just like Natson's going to go get picked up by a team. I <clears throat> I would be shocked if he makes the Browns team this year. Same. He's going to get picked up by somebody, and he'll probably play decent. It just he's the Browns are stacked. And for JoJo Natson, if if Demetrius Felton doesn't come out of complete nowhere to turn into and appear to be what he is, I think Natson has a better chance of making this team because a lot of the things that they're doing with Felton, they were doing with Natson last year. Right. No, I know. I mean, Felton just looks like a bat out of hell. Like, I, I am stunned by how good he's looked. And it doesn't matter. Like, every game... Every preseason practice, like everybody said this from day one, like he has consistently been really good. Mm-hmm. He's going to get day one snaps against the Chiefs. Like I don't care what anybody says, mm-hmm. Felton's going to get snaps. He will. So with okay. Felton, with Felton in the mix, it sounds like Natson, uh, obviously Jamarcus Bradley not making the team. Uh, yeah. Davis, fringe guy. You said Jordan Franks. Yeah. I, so here's the thing. I think. De Ernest Johnson, Stanton, Jordan Franks, and Higgins and Hodge, mm-hmm. uh, at least one of them is going to be gone. I think it's going to be Stanton. Uh, I think it could be Franks, too, depending on the offense-defense balance. And so, just, I know it's it's very foolish to overreact to a, a preseason game, and, you know, this may come back to bite me in the ass as soon as, I don't know, uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon, but they did... Bring back Kyle Markway, who was on their practice squad all last year. He immediately comes in after not being with the team, catches five catches, five balls for 54 yards. Right. Uh, Jordan Franks has looked fine, but Kyle Markway's at least familiar with the scheme. And I think with the injury to Carlson, having someone who's familiar, they might lean in that direction. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. That's a fair call. I I, I forgot about that. But yeah, I, I mean, I guess they, I just, I, I would be surprised if they are counting on finding a blocking tight end. So I think they're going to keep four. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I would be shot. Like, I think to Ernest Johnson. So I don't think Felton is ready to come in and play major snaps if Trevor Hunt get hurt. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I, I don't think he's that type of player. Um, Dearness Johnson is. Yes. And so I would be surprised because I don't think they're going to find somebody better than Ernest Johnson as a free agent this year. They won't. And I don't think they want to, nor should they be playing Chubb and Hunt every snap. You're right. So I, mean, I think Ernest Johnson definitely makes it. I think Yanovich definitely makes it. Same. Um, so And so I guess this gets into the next point, right? I have the Browns keeping 10 offensive linemen. Yeah. Wills, Batonio, Treader, Teller, Conklin, Hubbard, Hudson, Harris, Nan- or Hans, and Dunn. I think Dunn and Hans are both bubble guys. Yeah. Um, I actually think Hudson is too, but people seem to think because of where the Browns drafted him, he's a lock. I just think he's looked awful. Um, it is conceivable to me that they only keep nine offensive linemen. I don't think that's smart, but it's conceivable. Do you think they could practice squad Hudson to make it nine? Uh, my guess is if he gets practice squad, he gets picked up. Which, again, that's not... I, I mean, that's why I think somebody like Blake Hans could not make the roster and they would practice squad him and basically say, like, okay, nobody's picking this guy up. Yeah, okay. Um, But I also think Hans looked pretty good yesterday. I thought he looked pretty good in the postseason last year. So maybe they don't practice squad him. I mean, that's kind of my leaning, right? I think they keep 27 players on offense, which means 10 offensive linemen. Now, if you, for example, want to go down to five receivers or three running backs or no fullback or three tight ends, that changes things. But I, I found it hard to believe they could really get m- less than 26, 27 offensive players. I think there's just too many people they need in case of emergency. Mm-hmm. Um. So I couldn't get a cut. I mean, do you have anybody you think could likely get cut that I didn't mention? No. On offense? Uh, we're, we're pretty much, uh, you know, on the same page here uh, for, for all of this. Uh, uh, just some quick cleanup. You didn't mention John Kelly, but no one expects John Kelly to make the team. Um, as far uh, as far as the the offensive line guys not making the team, the the four names on the depth chart you didn't name, I don't expect any of them to make the team. So that's Drew Forbes, Javon Patterson, Colby Gossett, and Greg Sanat. Sanat's the only one, and I think they'll practice squad him. I don't think anybody's going to pick him up. He's the only one because he has looked decent in preseason, but I, I just. They have so many guys that can do that tackle role that mm-hmm. I just, I don't. Unless they're really low on Hudson. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it really uh, depends on quite a few things there. <clears throat> yeah. So, with that, do you want to turn to the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I, I will. So, I have 24 defensive players making the roster. A spoiler alert, I think after today, the Browns just won't have a kicker. I think that's where they're going to save a roster spot. They just won't put a kicker on special teams, and then I'll explain what they'll do in a second. But defensive line, I think the guarantees to make it are Miles, Clowney, Malik Jackson. I think the likely make it likely makes it are Porter Gustin, Togiai, Malik McDowell, Sheldon Day, Jordan Elliott. So that puts you at nine. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Then I think the tenth spot, and I know most teams like to carry ten defensive linemen. I just don't think the Browns will. And here's why: I think one of Tack getting cut, 
Billings has so takes up so much cap that I don't think they'll cut him, but I think they may could trade him. Mm-hmm. Or Day McDowell, Day or McDowell will get cut. Um, I think Jackson, who started last night, gets cut. But I, I just, I guess for me, I, I, I think it's very likely that Tack or Billings don't make the roster. Billings looks awful. He doesn't look good at all. Like Tack at least has the excuse he hasn't been in camp. Billings, I don't like. I don't know beyond him just having a pretty big salary what why he can make the team he looked awful in preseason he looked awful in training camp he has not lost weight like he now is a one tech because he's just too fat to play three tech like people forget two years ago in cincinnati andrew billings was a better version of larry Ogunjobi. that's why they signed him Mm -hmm. he is not that player anymore no he's, Um, he's not and so again i get the cap hit thing um, at some point, like Malik McDowell was playing snaps at one tech and looking pretty good at it last night. Mm-hmm. I, somebody needs to convince me. And, and like, I'm not even a huge Malik McDowell fan, but somebody needs to convince me why going up against the exact same guys at the exact same position, Malik McDowell looks substantially better than Andrew Billings. And then why Andrew Billings should make the roster. I have no answer for that. And as, as far as cap hits are concerned, just, Real quick, Andrew Billings has a cap hit of three and a half million, carrying a dead cap of three point three five. Tack McKinley three point six seven six. More numbers, three and a half dead cap. So, so okay. it, both guys have about the same cap hit dead cap number. Um, honestly, I, I don't think cap hit or dead cap is something they need to be uh, focusing on at this point. Yeah, it sucks you're paying a guy not to play for you, but. Uh, they've both looked pretty much useless. I think the only way Tack... So I gotta be honest, Malik Jackson playing snaps at defensive end last night is not go- a good sign for Tack McKinley. Mm-hmm. The only reason I think he could make the roster is he has just missed so much camp that they may be saying, like, listen, we gotta get this guy up to speed, but when we do, he will be good. But I, I just, I, I... I agree. Like, I think... I do think they could at least get a seventh-round pick for one of the two. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a conditional seventh round pick, like it may never convey. Um, I do. I think it's again one of them probably gets cut. Like, I don't know what Billings provides. Uh, I don't either. I mean, my gut, just because of how fascinated this front office has been with Tack McKinley over the past couple seasons, it seems like they'll probably lean towards McKinley if it comes down between McKinley or Billings, just because they seem to almost be borderline obsessed with him. Yeah. You know, like how they were sort of obsessed with Clowney last year. Yeah. And they kept... Yeah. It, it just reminds me of that a little bit, just with a much worse player. Um, yeah. So if I'm, I'm leaning down, but if it comes down to one or two of those guys, uh, I would I would guess they would keep Tack only because it seems like they've been infatuated with him. Yeah, I agree. And so, like, I guess that gets to the other bubble guys here. Uh, Sheldon Day, Malik McDowell, I, I think both make it. I think both have looked just so good that I, absent them keeping both Billings and Tack McKinley, I think Day and McDowell both make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other guy, Jordan Elliott, uh, is evidently a bubble guy, but I would be shocked. He has looked really good this preseason. I think he's in line for major snaps this season. I think he will be Malik Jackson's rotation guy. 
it's funny. It seems like there's such a mixed opinions about Jordan Elliott and what he's looked like this year, depending on uh, <laughs> which outlet people are from. Because it sounds like some people like him. It sounds like you've liked what you've seen. It seems like a lot of people haven't liked what they've seen. He's not a starter, right? No, like, I, I'm not. I don't think he's a starter. But I think is your second that like second and long and then third down defensive tackle mm-hmm. three tech. I I he does what you need, right? He can rush the passer really well. And mm-hmm. he creates sacks because of that. He doesn't necessarily get them, but he creates them. And he did it last night too. Like they had the one play where he and McDowell were in together. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the defensive ends got the snack or the snack. The, the sack. <laughs> But uh, Jordan Elliott was the cause of it. Like, I think Jordan Elliott looks I, – I just – again, if the – I you drafted him in the third round. You mm-hmm. wish you could have gotten a starter. I don't think they did. But I don't think there's anybody else on this roster that I feel comfortable subbing in for Malik Jackson like I do with Jordan Elliott. Maybe Sheldon Day. But mm-hmm. Sheldon Day is, like, first down sub for Malik Jackson. Yeah. Or, yeah. like, if you have to move Malik Jackson and because Clowney gets hurt, which he will – um, that then maybe Sheldon Day starts, but I think as the rotation guy, I don't think there's anybody better than Elliott on the roster. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, and uh, quick comment on the sacks created number: those who are fans of Jadavian Clowney better be uh, pounding the table for Jordan Elliott and him creating sacks, even though he doesn't get it. Because yeah, I had to hear, I I'd hear that, that rhetoric for two years, and it drove me nuts. Yeah, I, the difference I would say is that a defensive tackle position, mm-hmm. the creating sacks thing, I think is actually legitimate, right? Like, yeah. It is much more difficult for a defensive tackle to get a sack than it is for an edge rusher. Yeah. An edge rusher not getting the sack is a question mark. Like, what the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. I was just, you know, yeah, be, being kind of a, a little jerk it's with that like, one. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go down to linebacker, um, and then you'll cover maybe the guys I just didn't mention at the end. Uh, I think Walker, um, Taki Taki... JOK, Mac Wilson, I'll make it. Um, this is going to be the weird one because I think Fields and Phillips both make it and then get put on IR. Mm-hmm. And then the Browns will sign a linebacker or two to replace them. But I think really they're only keeping four day one starters, at least for today. And then when waiver period ends, they'll bring in a few more. Um, I don't think anybody else makes it. I, I don't think Jackson looked great. I, I just... I. I, I don't think there's enough good linebackers around that, that on this roster that there's reason for other guys to make it. I don't know your feelings on this. Uh, I, I'm with you there. I think they could play some funny games as regards to uh, the linebacker position. Like you said, with Phillips and Fields, you know, IRing them so they can bring them back after the 53-man is set. Uh, they could do one of those things where they cut Malcolm Smith and bring him back after the roster set. Uh, like they right. Did, I think that's what they're gonna do. What they did with Greg Robinson a couple years ago, uh, and brought him back, and he stunk. But that's a different story. So, I, I feel like Malcolm Smith's the guy they could do that with. Uh, Elijah Lee, they they might do that with too. I don't know if anyone's gonna come and scoop up Elijah Lee. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess like with Malcolm Smith, I think they can tell Malcolm Malcolm Smith, hey, we're gonna cut you, which means you're gonna get paid. And you already know it here. You like it here. We're going to then give you a new contract, which mm-hmm. means you get paid even more. So yeah. I think they could make it out to be a really good deal for Malcolm Smith in a way they probably can't with Elijah Lee. But but Elijah Lee has looked good, and I don't know if he's looked good enough that another team's going to pick him up. And uh, which means they could. that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, I mean, 
so let's say let's say they IR Phillips Fields and they end up keeping the five or the was it five uh six I guess it would be yeah Wilson Walker Taki Taki Smith JOK and Lee that seems like it seems like that would be their their linebacking group. Yeah, I mean, so, like, to be completely honest, I think after today there will only be four to five linebackers that will play a snap this season on the roster because I think, I don't think, like, even with Phillips and Fields, that's still six guys. Mm-hmm. Um, So I don't think they're going to, uh, I don't think they're going to have seven or eight guys. I don't think they have the roster space for that. So mm-hmm. I think one to two of those guys of Smith and Lee are getting cut. Yeah. Um, and they may come back, but mm-hmm. I think right now they're getting cut. Yeah, I'm with you there. That, that's it. Seems like it's they're going to play the little funny roster game with that one, just so they can yep. do other things and then bring the other ones back. Yep. All right. Um, so going on to cornerback, I have Ward, Newsom, Hill, uh, Green, all making it, mm-hmm. and then I have Greedy making it too. Mainly because he just seems to have played a lot of snaps uh, when he's been healthy. And I don't think they're planning on starting him or anywhere close to it. So it's kind of like whatever he gives you, he gives you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think MJ Stewart gets cut. Yeah, uh, the the three guys in the depth chart I don't see making it. MJ Stewart, Brian Allen, Emmanuel Bergamba. Uh, so you need you need at least five defensive backs or five corners. I think those are the yeah. five they roll with. Me too. Me too. Yeah, no surprises there. And then safety, I have them keeping four. John Johnson, who was a beast last night, doesn't mean anything, but he was a beast. Mm-hmm. Um, Harrison, Delpit, and LeCount. Mm-hmm. I think Moffitt and Redwine get cut. Yeah, I'm with you there. I have a hard time seeing them keeping Moffitt. I know they've played Moffitt a lot, but I think that might be more of a try to give him an opportunity to catch on with another team or see if they could possibly flip him for like a future seventh or something. Yeah, I mean, my view on Moffitt is I think that if... I think he will get cut or traded today. Um, And if the Browns do cut him and nobody picks him up, I think they'll bring him back. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably as a practice squad guy, but maybe as a regular roster guy. Uh, But I think they they really like him, and I think they want to give him an opportunity to catch on to another team. And and I will say this. I think a lot of it has to go in with the health of Delpit, Mm because, I mean, if Delpit's still not healthy... I could see them keeping Moffat just for the body. Right. Um, and they could do the same thing with Delpit they're going to do with Fields and Phillips. Yeah, my gut says they do that. It, I, I really yeah. feel like that. You've We've seen, like, what, nothing of Delpit this year? <laughs> no, I mean, he keeps getting hurt. It's Delpit's story. Like, I, I think that, uh, to me, that's the other guy. That's, like, the third guy I think they could do the IR after the cuts. Um which frees up another space. I, I think there will be three spots on this roster that I'm giving that will not be there for day one or week one. That will be on the IR. Um, so that's what I have for defense. How about mm. you? I mean, I'm with you there. I'm with you. So on the I have a few side. less defenders than I would like. I only have 24. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I found it hard. And that's with, I think, Hewlett and Gillian make the roster, or Jimmy Gillen, mm-hmm. uh, not Gillian. And then I think McLaughlin gets cut because he just does not look good. They will find somebody else. Yeah, as, like we said, uh, kicker not currently on the roster right now. Wouldn't be surprised. And maybe Gillen. 
<laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> uh, honestly, like, I know, like, that sounds crazy, but, like, it actually does save you a roster spot. If you could find a guy that does both, that'd be fantastic. The only question is and who like, the holder would be what? at that point. Hewlett, probably. They probably just have Hewlett do everything. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, I, I, do, I, I don't think it's likely, but, like, I think I'm probably has a strong enough lag. I think kicking field goals is a little bit of a different form than punting, and so I'm not sure that happens because of that, but... And he has not taken snaps a kicker. So I think it's unlikely, but like maybe long term that's the vision. Probably not. But it's probably, like it's prob- probably not. Um, yeah. There's going to be a kicker that gets cut somewhere, and the Browns will be like, "Okay, let's take a chance on this. See what's uh, let's see if this guy can be better." They'll probably just be like, "Uh, we'll f- figure out one of these two guys." I think I said it on the pod a few weeks ago, but, like, for me, kicker is a position that unless you have, like, Mason Crosby, um, you should just be, like, picking a guy, and while he's hot, you play him, and then the second he gets cold, you cut him and you sign another guy. Yeah, I, we, I mean, again, we've, we've touched on this before, but they haven't had a steady kicker since Big Phil, okay? Nor do I think they should, like, obviously you wish Cybert uh, became that, but he didn't. So, if you don't have that, then don't pretend that you do. Yeah, and there's there's no reason to pretend. I mean, I mean, there's a reason. As soon as Cody Parkey suffered the the injury he did, which it's a quad injury, it sucks for kickers, but it's far from season ending. That they were just like, okay, we're cutting ties now. Right, right. <laughs> they IR'd yeah, him I... just to facilitate other moves. Then they released him, and it's just like, okay. Yep. Listen, if in week eight or nine. The Browns still, like, are just not finding a kicker. I can see them bringing Cody Parkey back. Yeah, there's a world that exists where Cody Parkey comes back for stint number three, and I'd be yeah. less than thrilled. <laughs> I mean, I guess for me, like, Cody Parkey isn't substantially worse than any random kicker you get off the street. He's not. It's just, like... Really, you know what he is, this? and it's inconsistent double-doink. Yeah. Not so, a super strong leg. Like, yeah. But, but generally speaking, really good. Generally speaking, really good at forty-three yards or less. Uh, he's really good. So until he gets cold, and then he sucks. But the second there's a game where they miss a, a gimme, I am cutting that guy and bringing in another guy. Yeah, a, a gimme or a guy has one of those games where he goes like one for four from well, kicking field. That, right? Yeah, but yeah. Like, it's kickers. That's what yeah. happens. When you have non-elite kickers, that'll happen from time to time. And for if they're running out with McLaughlin... They will not be. Uh, I hope not. But if they, they do... I, I doubt he makes the opening. I, he, I don't think he'll be on the roster after Tuesday. That's a very that's a very good chance. I, because it saves them a roster spot for these cuts. Yeah, they could play, they could play even more games with uh, their roster. They could cut McLaughlin because why... You know, they, back they, yourself into that corner. Allow yourself to make some other moves. Uh, if you have to end up short-term, short-term IRing three guys, let's say like Delpit, Fields, and uh, Phillips, getting yeah. rid of the kicker who's meh allows you to keep other guys you would otherwise have to cut. Now, honestly, I think that would be the right way to go about this. I think that's what they're going to do. And like, let's just think about logically for a second. Okay, so let's say that's what happens, right? They cut McLaughlin. Uh, short-term IR, three guys. Uh, Delpit, Fields, Phillips. That means they have three spots. One of them, you used to sign a kicker. 
And then probably two of them you use to sign linebackers. Or if you get rid of Billings, you use to sign a defensive tackle, like a nose tech. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least one of those is going to be a linebacker. At least one's going to be a kicker. And then the third can be tackle or defensive tackle or kicker. I think that's what they do. I think that's the route they roll. Yeah. I'm with you 100% on that. <laughs> I mean, it's unfortunate that they need to, they will need to short-term IR three guys. But they do, and so you got to play games. Yeah, and, and the, the teams that are usually you know, run by the best front offices are really well playing those games. They realize what they have to do in regards to playing the roster game. And sometimes you just got to get a little creative. And yeah, I wouldn't I mean, put it Seattle past them. has done this for a decade. New England for two decades. Like, they're, <laughs> they're really good at it, right? They play mm-hmm. these games, and then they get these guys back either that year or after they finish, like, their second contract. Mm-hmm. Because they know what they are. Like, they, they are really good at playing these games, and I think the Browns are going to. Yeah, I think they're definitely at a point where they actually can afford to play those games. Uh, I, the and... one guy, like, I think Mac Wilson should be thanking his lucky stars that both Phillips and Fields couldn't really play. Oh, yeah, because his status went from basically uh, not making the roster to you made the roster out of necessity. And he may play snaps, which is terrifying to me, but he may play snaps. Yeah. Like, ideally, you can keep Malcolm Smith, too. Um, And in that world... And so, here's the other thing. I don't know that Fields makes the roster. I think he probably does, but I also think there's a world where they basically say, listen you couldn't practice and when you could you didn't look that great so we're going to keep malcolm smith and then they'll keep five linebackers only short-term ir2 guys mm-hmm. i mean they could so, play the same roster game with fields that they are with that they could with other players oh absolutely they could be like hey we're going to let you go but we want to keep you on this team for the future so we're, we're going to bring you back this is just it's just a numbers thing right now we want to bring you back but we have to do this in order to bring you back. Right, exactly. So you're right. Fields could be another one of those guys. So I'm not going to... If I find out that they you know, release him at whatever time, was it 4 p.m. today? Uh, I'm not going to overreact to, oh my God, they got rid of Tony Fields. It's going to be like, okay, let's see how this all plays out. Yep, exactly. I totally agree with that. I think I, I have seen nothing but things that give me confidence and the ability for the Browns to make the right roster choices and kind of play these games. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty confident. I, the one that people are saying, and I said this earlier that I don't see, I don't see Hodge and Ernest Johnson getting cut maybe because of salary reasons, but like you still have to pay them, right? Like I don't, it may not be a lot, but I, I think Hodge and Ernest Johnson provide enough that I know the, I think it was the OBR mm-hmm. had that report that, that, that yesterday was Hodge's last snaps in a Browns uniform. I'll believe that when I see it, I would be surprised because it ostensibly means you are either keeping an extra linebacker, an extra defensive tackle, or JoJo Natson instead. And I, I just I find that incredibly unlikely. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you there. I mean, listen, uh, there we've said it before. We said it again. Uh, people just have in their mind their ideal players that they want on the roster for one reason or another. Right. And so... A lot of times people will drive certain narratives in order to uh, make it sound like their guys are more secure in the roster spot than guys that aren't their guys. Uh, You know, 
that's why we've, I guess, discussed at length stuff about Higgins, stuff about Njoku. Yeah. And Hodge. And I, I think, like, the way this can happen, too, is a reporter's talking to somebody in the Browns. They say, you know, Hodge is a bubble guy. Mm-hmm. And the way they hear it, because they've only heard Hodge and, like, you maybe Natson and whatever, is mm. that, oh, well, Higgins is definitely making the roster. And Hodge was named as a bubble guy, which probably means this is last. Like, you could hear it that way. Yeah. And I think that happens a lot in all journalism, right? Because yes. you still have to report. Mm-hmm. And if Hodge does not get cut, if he makes the roster, then whatever. It doesn't mean anything, right? It's, you say, oh, he had a great fourth preseason game. That's all that he needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he does get cut, then you're the pe- person to break the story. Yeah, pretty um, much. That's good journalism. That's not bad. Ju- I'm not saying that's bad journalism. It's just I think that that is possibly what is going on here. Yeah. So, <clears throat> And he may have cut. Maybe the Browns are just like, you know what? We really want to keep another one of these speedy guys. Uh, between Najoku and Higgins, we can make up for Hodge. We're going to cut him, right? It, that could very possibly be what happens. I just It would be surprising to me. Yeah, and, you know, who knows? They could play weird roster games with Hodge too, even though that one might be a little bit more difficult to do. But oh, I don't. I I think if Hodge gets cut, he's going to get picked up by somebody. Yeah, more than likely, yeah. But I think he's good. I think he's really good. Um, like I do not think Higgins is a better player than Kadero Hodge. By actually, like after last night, it reminded me like how good Hodge can do on some of those crossing routes. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like, yeah, I. I, I he'll get picked up by somebody. I think maybe not like a team like the Browns that are that good, but like I can see the Dolphins. Yeah. R- real quick, uh, and I guess we can just wrap it up after this. Um, so, did my eyes deceive me, or was Rashard Higgins out there when Case Keenum was the quarterback? Yeah, I did not. So, to be honest, I had to have a conversation with one of my friends. Uh, starting like the mid second quarter mm-hmm. uh, all the way through the third. So I, if he was playing, I did not notice him. I thought I saw him out there with Case Keenum, a quarterback when Kaderil Hodge was out with Baker, which uh, you know, could mean nothing. It, it really, it's a preseason game, but it's, it's, it'd be interesting to me, I guess. Right, and the question is, are they trying to trade one of them, right? Like, theoretically, if you're trying to trade Hodge, playing him starters minutes makes sense. Yeah. Right, or it could just be that Hodge is ahead in the death chart, or it could be they're not sure about Hodge, so they wanted to give him more snaps, right? There's there's any of 8 million things, but yeah. I don't think, like, Higgins playing with the backups is a good sign for him in any way. I just don't know that it's necessarily a bad sign. Yeah, that's a good point. It could be a way to try to facilitate and feature Hodge to try and trade him. Right. Right. All right. But with that, uh, I got to say, reminder to everyone, uh, like, subscribe, share, rate five stars, comment, comment. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. This is Believeland.com, RealBrownsFans.com. Tell your friends. Make sure you do all that. If not, it's stealing, and stealing's not cool. <laughs> <laughs>